Father God, we just come before you. We magnify you. You alone are worthy of our praise. Without you, we are nothing, but with you, we are everything. Father, we thank you that we consider this a privilege to be in your presence where you're here with us, teaching us your will, your way, so that we could fulfill the destiny that you have ordained for our lives. Father, we consider this time sacred. We consider this ground holy and that our ears are open to your word. Our hearts are open and ready to receive. Let it be all of you and none of me. Father God, let us be changed, rearranged, and transformed, never to be the same as when we came in. Lord, we thank you that you're causing us to have a double portion of your anointing. The anointing that's able to remove every burden in our lives, in our neighbors' lives, in our nation's lives, and in the world, Lord God. You're causing that anointing to be in double portion, nothing missing, nothing broken. Lord God, we receive totally from you, unhindered and unchecked by any outside force, any outside force of unbelief or doubt, any un outside force of, of even negative suggestion that you are not God and God alone. Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. So I have to tell you this wonderful story when I met my husband. Um, first of all, I wasn't looking for a man. But I did say to God, I said, God, if you ever were to have me get married, let it be a man who loves you because then he'll know how to love me. And so he found this man and we went out um, on a coffee meeting. And I never thought he would be my husband that time and I really didn't like him that much. I didn't, you know. <laughs> the Holy Ghost will make you really cute. So, so what happened is I met with him and I'm sitting... I'm sitting there, and, and he had the audacity to say something to me. He says, I really like you. I believe I want to be with you, but I need you to trust me. Now, that's pretty audacious for a first date, especially from a young girl born and raised in Jamaica by a single parent who I knew my dad loved me, and he was, you know, he called me his princess, and we had a wonderful relationship, but I didn't grow up with my dad. And my dad actually did not marry my mother. And so he had other children by other women. And so the, what I knew about relationship is I'm not quite sure I can trust you. Because what I was raised on is a strong woman who says, you better know how to take care of yourself and don't depend on a man to do anything for you. So here I am with this man having the audacity to ask me to trust him. And I told him, I trust me, but I don't know that I can trust you. And so a lot of us come to church with some broken parts and broken pieces when God says, will you trust me? And we're not quite sure that we even have a good example of what it means to trust. So my question to you today is, will you trust me? Can I trust you? Will you trust? Do you trust? What do you trust? Because when we think about the principles of kings and priests, God calls us to a mutual trust. And so I'm going to go through and I'm going to read to you the, the, the well, I'm going to read a foundation scripture, but I'm going to actually teach from 
a different scripture, but, but let's first go to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And most of you have quoted this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, what the Lord revealed to me about this is trust comes from the heart. Understanding comes from the mind or the intellect. Acknowledgement comes from you submitting your will that you acknowledge that God is asking you to trust him with your heart. And then resulting from your trust in him and not leaning on your understanding but on his understanding and acknowledging that results in a reliance and an obedience in God to take the wheel. How many of you want God to take the wheel? Well, here's what happened with the children of Israel. Because they've had an interesting relationship with God. They've also had an interesting relationship with God's plan for their life. So let's go to Exodus 19, 1 through 9. And this is where we're going to spend a little bit of time. Exodus 19, verses 1 through 9. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. So guess what? They are in the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thou shalt say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now, I'm going to continue on here, and it says, And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. Now, I know that was a lot, but let me break it down a little. So the children had been rescued from the hands of Pharaoh, right? They were in Egypt. It was tough. Right? So before you were ever born again, you had major challenges in your life, and God decided that he was going to rescue you. But he doesn't rescue you immediately from Egypt into Canaan. He takes you through the path of the wilderness. And if you remember what his word says, in his word he says, I'm taking you through the wilderness so I could see what was in your heart. Right? 
So they get into the wilderness, and Moses has his meeting with the Lord. He goes up on the mountain, and he says, hey, I want you to tell these people why I've rescued them out of the bondage that they were in in their life before they ever were redeemed or before they ever decided to become my people. I'm going to make them really special. Number one, I'm going to make them a peculiar treasure. Now, um, have you ever used the word treasure for something that you tossed away just real easily? Is treasure something that's really special? Yeah, right? So I'm going to make you a peculiar treasure. Then second, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. So what does that mean? A lot of us feel like the priest is in the pulpit and everybody else sits out there in the congregation. But that's not what this says, is it? It says, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests, meaning he's going to set you apart. And then he says, I'm going to make you a holy nation. Holy means that I'm going to have you be such that you are so different from all the other nations out there that people are going to know that you are not only a treasure, that you're a kingdom of priests, and that you're not like anybody else. Right? So Moses gets this information from God. He comes back and he tells the people, hey, this is what God says. So what say ye? And what do the people say? Go back and tell God that whatever he says we will be. That's what they said. You see, sometimes we read the Bible and we think the Bible is a story of someone else at some other time and it's not us. Let me give you a flash news. It's exactly you. It's exactly you. It's like a mirror, right? The question is, are you the one who rebels? Are you the one who trusts God? Like, where do you fall in the story? So these people immediately says, hey, I'll trust you. If you read a little further on, you'll find out then God gives Moses some instructions after that. He says, okay, since they agree, go tell them to consecrate themselves, and on the third day they can come and visit me. But to consecrate yourself, you have to wash your clothes. Now, this is what God has told Dr. Max. Okay, you didn't see that. That's what God told Moses. Okay? So, you've come out of this bondage. There was an altar call. You came, you decided you'd give your life to Christ. You'll start coming to this church. And the man of God says, I've talked to the Lord. I went on the mountain, he came back, and he says, this is what you should do. And you say, guess what? Whatever he says, I will do. So Moses goes back up, and he says, the next step I want you to tell the people is they've got to go consecrate themselves. They have to wash their clothes. And he says, I'm going to do something to you, Pastor Max. I'm going to have such a thick cloud come over that the people will learn to believe you. They will learn to trust in you because there's going to be this cloud and they're going to hear me directly speak to you. So on the third day, they show up. They go to the mountain. 
on their way to meet God. And God says this to Moses. Tell the people, I'm happy that you guys came to meet me, but you're not allowed up here. Pastor Max, you could go to the top at the summit. We're going to have a conversation face to face. The elders that you share the news with, they could come about halfway at the summit. And all you people, I got, you got to stay right here at the base. Can I trust you? See, because it was really nice when God told you you were special. It was really nice when he told you that you were going to set apart. He told you that you were a treasure, right? And you said to Moses, I'm down with that. And then he says, guess what? The same God who told me that news is about to talk to you. Do you want to go on a trip? All you've got to do is clean yourself and you go, guess what? I'm down with that too. Guess what? We're going to have clean clothes. We're going to go see my God, right? And then you get there and you don't get to go up and see him. So what happens? What do you do? Do you continue trusting Moses? Do you still say, Lord, whatever you say, I will do, even if I can't meet you face to face? What happens? So, Moses goes up. He has the conversation with God. And he comes back down. And he tells them that they have to do something. He says, hey, it's time for you to build an altar for me. You remember that? You guys read your Bible, right? I don't have to go to the scripture because I only have like 40 minutes and that's going to take too long, right? So he says, I want you to go and I want you to build a tabernacle for me. And now you haven't heard him. Dr. Max told you that's what he said. After he told the elders to do that. Lord, whatever you say, I will do, I will do. And he says... Pastor Max, go tell them it's time for you to build me a tabernacle. What's interesting about the story is that if you continue further down the line, there are a couple of things that happen. Moses is the same guy who picked those elders and asked them to go and see what Canaan looked like. And they came back and they did something different than what God told them. And it was only a test, right? Um... Moses is the same guy who actually had asked during that process with God where he says, hey, I'm going to pick Aaron and I want you to make a wonderful suit and a garment for him that's so gorgeous. And Aaron goes up. But remember, wasn't Aaron the one that says, wait a minute. Wasn't it Aaron and Miriam that says, I but wait, 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 wait. Weren't those the ones after you were nicely robed in your garment that went and said, God talked to me too. I don't know about what Dr. Max is doing marrying that woman called Pastor Zena. Can I trust you? Stephen Covey wrote a book on the speed of trust. And on the book, um, Speed of Trust, he says, trust the level of trust determines the speed in which you're able to accomplish your goal and how much it actually costs. And this is what he says. He says, uh, let me find it, hold on. 
He says, there is a trust tax and a trust dividend. When trust goes up, the speed, when, when trust goes down, the speed goes down and the costs go up. Let's say that again. When trust goes down, the speed of you building that tabernacle goes down and the cost goes up. Do you hear what I'm saying? It says when trust goes up, the speed goes up and the cost goes down. So the question I have to ask you is, in your relationship, are you paying a trust tax? Or are you praying, paying a trust dividend? Because if you're living on the side of a trust dividend, this is what will happen. Everything you ask God for is going to happen fast and it's not going to cost you anything. But if you are living your life with a trust tax, this is what you say. Lord, please show me a sign. Lord... If I do this, can you, can you show me that I could trust you to do that? And what happens between the time God tells you to do something and the time it manifests? I don't trust you enough, so you need to spend some time proving to me that you're going to do what you say. So now you've lost time. And now this is what happened. Lord, I'm not quite sure I could trust you, so let me try this my way, and it costs you something. God is calling the church to increase their trust, not only in him, but in his servant, his way, his method, and who he is. God is calling the church to increase and to live on a trust dividend and not a trust tax. Now, if you remember the scripture, he says, who among you pay taxes? Do you remember that scripture? Is it the children of God? No. But he says, so that I won't offend you, I'm going to pay your taxes. When you're a son of God or a child of God, you only get dividends. But when you're a slave and a servant and you've not entered in, then you've got to pay some tax. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Hallelujah. So Stephen Covey says that in order for you to increase your level of trust, you must improve your character and your competence. He says that character includes integrity, motivation, and the right attitude. And competence includes your skills, your capabilities, and your work habits. He says, a competent person, yet dishonest, is untrustworthy. So is an honest, but an incompetent, incompetent person. So did you get that? Okay. You might have good character, but you don't have any skill. I still can't trust you. You might have really good skill and no character. I still can't trust you. God is looking for us to be both of good character and to be competent. That increases the level and the capacity in which one can trust you. 
Now, a lot of times when we're in church, we have a tendency to look at the other person. Because I know I have it all together. And I am trustworthy and I can be trusted. But that other person, I don't know. This message is not for the other person. This message is for me as it is for you. And our hearts will not be open to receive God's correction or his way unless we yield to him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. That's what it says. Don't even trust yourself to consider yourself trustworthy. You know, Job, if we turn to Job, Job, come on, Job. I have it on my notes here, but I'm skipping around. Job 13, 15. I love this. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. No, I won't. Really, we read that. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Do you really? Do you really? Paul had a spiritual son called Timothy. And um, Paul ended up in jail. Do you remember that story? So could you imagine this? You... Uh, Trust Pastor Max. I'm not calling this down on you, Pastor. But because of the love of the Lord and your zealousness and zeal for him, you know, they decided to put you away for a little bit. And that just doesn't look that good for me to consider you my spiritual father and you're in jail. I'm just saying. How many of you remember the story of um, Creflo Dollar? Come on now, like talk to me. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Is it only when things are going well, when it looks pretty, when it's decent, when he tells you, oh, you look so pretty today, I'm so proud of you, but tomorrow I'm not proud of you. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. So God has this relationship with the children of Israel and Moses as the leader. And what had happened is Moses was leading these people. He made a promise that God was great. And, you know, they're in a situation now. They don't have food to eat. They don't have water to drink. And the question is coming to Moses. Did you bring me here so that we would die? Pastor Max, did you move us all the way here so that we would die? The people pressed on to Moses. Moses says, wait a minute. Why would you even ask that question? This is the God who parted the Red Sea. This is the God who took you out of slavery. Don't you think... 
that he loves you enough that he would never do that? And so even Moses began to doubt. And he says, Lord, are you going to make them die here? And he says, Moses, if, you, if they want quail, call down quail. They had so much, right? You want water? Hit the rock and you get water. So they took you out and he showed you God's power. And so they, did they trust God? Did they trust God? They still didn't trust him. What is it going to take for you to trust him? If you were to go back and rehearse all of what God has done for you, all he's brought you through, all that he has done, known and unknown, the fact that you woke up this morning, the fact that you're in the middle of a pandemic and he still saves you, the fact that you have food on your table, Lord, I want to see you do greater than that. He says, will you trust me? And after all of that time, he says, guess what? I know y'all are stiff-necked people, but we st I, I still am going to keep my promise. So let me give you the definition of mutual trust. Because not because you can't trust yourself does not give you permission to not trust God. Trust means confident, a reliance, or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principle of another person. See, our inability to trust God is our inability to trust ourselves. You begin to trust yourself more and you will find that you would trust God more. Okay, let me break it down for you. Lord, I'm going to lose 15 pounds this year. Lord, I'm going to lose 15 pounds this year. And the church goes quiet. Do you trust yourself to do that? Lord, I'm going to increase my prayer life and I'm going to pray to you every day. Lord, I know you talk about tithing. I'm going to tithe this year. Lord, I'm going to be the best giver ever. If you don't trust yourself in doing that, when God says, guess what? This year, I'm going to bless you like never before. You can't trust him because you don't even trust yourself. Trust is the confidence, a reliance, or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principles of another. It says something committed to a person's care for use or management or for which an account may be must be rendered. Every man's talent and advantages are a trust committed to him by his maker and for the use or employment of which he is accountable. This is taken from the 1828 dictionary. If you ever read the 1828 dictionary, it's also online, so you could go and search it. It is one that will give you definition along with scripture. 
So you knew that this was before we started leaving God out of it and we came up with our own definition. But that was, that's what trust. Mutual, this is what mutual means. It's reciprocal, interchanged, each acting in return or correspondence to the other, given and received. So basically, when we talk about mutual trust, is do you have enough confidence that you will hold up your end of the bargain as you have confidence in God holding up his end of the bargain? Because God never changes. His word never returns void. What he says he will do, he will do. He changes not. So that is a trusted partner. Now what we're looking for is the other trusted partner to create mutual trust. See, God created this situation where he calls us kingdom of priests. And kingdoms of priests, he also is king of kings and lord of lords. And so he creates the role in the New Testament. He gives us that there are fivefold ministries that he's given us, right? So we're all in the kingdom. He's going to make us a peculiar treasure, a holy nation set, aso- set apart to do what? What does he want you to do? What does he want you to do? He wants you to prove to the other nations who he is. Your life is to be a representation of who your king is and who your Lord is. So king is you reign, Lord is you own, right? King, you reign, and Lord, you own. So when God calls us to have this partnership of kings and priests, and he is talking to Moses, and Moses is coming and giving you instructions as a king then you've got to understand that in that mutual trust, in that mutual relationship, God wants you to be able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what any other nation is able to do. And in order for us to do that, we must be willing to obey. So I'll give you an example in my personal life. So Dr. Uh, Dr. Max shared with you about Dr. Winston. And so here I am. I'm an Ivy League educated woman, successful in corporate America, did amazing work with strategic planning, made a lot of money to do it. I had become an expert in that field. I knew what I was doing. Remember? Character and competence. So I was competent. Dr. Winston asked my husband and I to start the school. He asked us to go and develop a plan as to how we would do it. We knew that we had trust the Lord, we had prayed, we had learned how to pray. And so we went and we prayed and we asked the Lord, okay, what should we do? And the Lord gave us a plan and the plan mapped out for two years. That it would take two years to get the faculty, the curriculum, to market, you know, all the stuff that we do, right? If you're a project planner, you would go through all the steps, and it takes about two years. So we were very excited about this plan. We were diligent about it. And so we went to Dr. Winston, and we told him it would take two years. And Dr. Winston says, let me go and pray about it. 
He goes and he prays about it and he comes back and he says, the Lord told me two months. Kings and priests. So the king in me said, well, I've done many strategic plans. Did he even pay attention to the detail? No, I, I didn't say it out loud. Let's be clear. I did not say it out loud. Um, I was a relatively old but new Christian. You know what that means? I'd been on the way for a long time, but the revelation I was getting under his leadership was new. So I had the new revelation was, you don't say that. But in my heart, which had not yet been renewed, I had thoughts in my heart about what audacity of this man to question the plan that I had spent months putting together. And if it would have been easy enough for him to ask the Lord before I started, that would have saved me some time. Right? So he comes back and he says, it will take two months. My husband and I looked at each other, and there was a wonderful scripture that we learned. Believe in your prophet, and you shall prosper. Let me say that again, because I feel a little half, half dipping. Believe in your prophet and you shall prosper. Okay, let me park right here because I feel a little dip. Believe in your prophet and you shall prosper. Is that Dolores' words? Are those Dr. Max's words? Whose words are they? And what does the Bible say? His word will not return void. So believe in your prophet and you shall prosper. So we decided we'll believe in the prophet and we'll do two months. He says, it's also if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now, I know that there are parts in the scripture where there are false prophets. I get that. I get that. That's not a part of this sermon. They're false, they're false prophets though, but I know that, right? And what happened is when we believe Dr. Winston and when we're willing and obedient, this is what happened. All of the plans that we had laid out accelerated. Remember the speed of trust. If I lean to my own understanding, it's going to take two years. But if I trust in the prophet, now the time got accelerated and the cost didn't take me two years. We went to the library, God showed us a plan, had us to call this lady that was there, and everything we would have done to go and build a curriculum, she was able to give it to us. Costs got cut. Not only was she the person who knew how to help us get accredited, time got cut. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your two-year plan because if you acknowledge him in all your ways he will direct your path okay so that was Dr. Winston there's a prophet in your home too so as I told you I was making good money and my mom told me to be an independent woman so it was time for me to get a new car I told my husband the Lord wants to bless me with a Mercedes-Benz. 
And my husband says, I do not see Mercedes-Benz in the Bible. So here I am, full of faith that that's going to be my next car. And my prophet, Dr. Winston, would even give me brochures about getting a Mercedes-Benz. But the prophet in my house said, I don't see it in the Bible. So I'm a little torn between the prophet of the Lord and the prophet of the house. May I get an amen? So, but God is not confused. God is not confused. And so as he went through, I said, Lord, you told me that I'm supposed to get a Benz. My husband tells me that he doesn't see it in the Bible. So you've got to show up for me. So I, he gave me some instructions. Ask your husband how much he wants to spend on a car. So I go and I ask my husband how much does he want to spend on a car. It was nowhere near a Benz price, okay? Because the car I wanted was 100000 and he only gave me 35000 and he says we're not going into debt for a car. There's a big gap between what I want and what God promised and what my husband will do. Are you listening? This is very important. Mutual trust. So I said, okay, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I started really being in distress because I had the capacity and my own ability to make my own decision. But I'm now in a relationship that requires me to build mutual trust. And if I went on my own, I would violate his trust. So I had to submit. Submission is not when you want to do it. Submission is when you don't, but you yield your will to it. So as I began to trust God for the man he put in my life to be the prophet of my home, I now had to make sure I wasn't listening to my own mind or my own will, but I was listening to God. And God had a plan. Yes, he wanted me to have the car. But how? What's his method? What's his way? So as I began to pray, he introduced me to a gentleman who knows how to go to the auctions. I go to the auction. I walked it all day, and I saw nothing. I was distressed. We're getting ready to leave. The last truck came in. He says, Dolores, don't, mo don't worry. Come on, let's go and look at this car. I said, you know what? I'm done. Maybe my husband is right. Mercedes is not in the Bible. He says, no, Dolores, let's go look. So I sheepishly and reluctantly went and looked. Everybody had left the lot. Nobody saw the car. There was a Mercedes on that car. The next day, he goes and he bids on that car, and he bid the price my husband told. Because nobody saw the car, I got my dream car for what my husband said. Mutual trust was God right? Was the man of the house right? Or was my husband wrong? God is not a God of chaos. They were all right. But what he was testing 
was my obedience. What he was testing was my character. What he was testing was whether or not I was going to yield to his way why he directs my path. And not only did I get my car, but I got it for a lower cost. Trust, the speed of trust, it will cut the time and it will cut the cost. God is calling us as believers to not only trust him, but to trust in his way. And as we build our trust in God and we build our trust in his way, what we will see is God is already delivered the promise that he's promised you. Amen? Amen? Mutual trust. I want to go to, they talk about in building character and competence that there's five types of trust. This is Stephen Covey. He says there's self-trust, there's relationship trust, there's stakeholder trust, organizational trust, and market trust. Five trust. I'll go over them again. There is self-trust. You trust yourself. It gives you the capacity to be able to trust others in relationships. When you're able to trust others in relationships, you're able to then build stakeholder trust. You have a stake in the matter. When you have a stakeholder trust, then you're able to build organizational trust. Now the community can begin to trust. And when the community trusts each other, the process and the way, then guess what? The market will trust you. So when God says, I've called you to be a peculiar people, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, and you begin to build trust in him, trust in your relationship, both horizontally and vertically, then you have a stake in the matter that what God says he will do, he will do. Yes, he's a healer. Yes, he's a provider. Yes, he's a way maker. When you are able to do that, then guess what? The organization can now produce a level of trust that permeates out into the marketplace, that they know what you say you will do, you will do. What you say God will do, God will do. And all of a sudden, you don't have to worry about how much it's going to cost you. You don't have to worry about how fast it's going to be done because it will be built on the promises of trust. Amen. Jeremiah, I'll finish with this. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 10 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat comes. Man, that's some good stuff. Isaac, Isaac did not see when famine came. Isaac was able to sow in the land of famine, and he got so rich. See, that's what he says. When you trust, you'll be a tree planted by water. You're spread out your roots by the river. You shall not see when heat come, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
I, the Lord, search the, the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. Lord, I pray and I decree that you will be fruitful because you will trust in the Lord, your tree will be planted by the river, and you will have fruit even when the drought comes. The issue is not whether or not God will do it or not. He's promised it. The issue is not whether or not you have said, yes, Lord, I will do it. The issue is do you trust that he will? And as you build your trust in God, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. You are about to get on a building project. God wants to know, can he trust you? God wants to know, can he trust you? This is not a sales pitch. This is not a, a manufactured thing. After they were delivered, God says, Moses, come up and I'm going to tell them to go build my tabernacle. He trusts that you can do it. If you don't have the resources, trust God to provide it. And the more you trust that he will provide it, he will know if you're trustworthy to flow that through you. All he wants is for you to say yes. Use me, Lord, to build your tabernacle. Use me, Lord, to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, set apart a peculiar people. See, I have visited places like Nicaragua, the poorest nation in the entire world, and they've built multi-million dollar sanctuary one at a time. Speed, and they testify of the goodness of God. God wants to know, can he trust you? Now, this doesn't work for you if you don't know him. God wants to know, do you know him? Because he wants to know you. He wants you to trust him. If you are born again, but you haven't been living your life, leaning and trusting in God, and you want to renew your trust in him, I'm calling you to come up to the altar. If you are not born again, and you don't even know who he is, but you want to get to know who is this God that can part the Red Sea, who is this God that can make water in the desert, who is this God that can make a way out of no way, I want you to come up to the altar. Don't trust your neighbor. Trust what he's saying to you in your heart. See, in America, they say on the money, in God we trust. In the money, on the money, get an American dollar, you'll see, in God we trust. Even money, <laughs> says in God we trust and God's people are busy trusting in money 
God wants you to renew your trust in him. He's inviting you to trust him. Trust him with your relationships, with your children, with your schoolwork, with your dreams, with your ambitions. Will you trust him with that? Will you decide not to lean on your own understanding? Hallelujah. Say this after me. Father God, forgive me for leaning on my own understanding. Lord God, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. In thee, I trust. Even when you slay me, I trust you. Say that again. Even when you slay me, I trust you. Even when you bless me, I trust you. Lord, you can trust me to always trust you. I'm going to pray over you. Lord God, I thank you, Father God, for your word. Your word that does not return void, but bring forth that which you have sent it to accomplish. You promised your word that you are a present help in the time of need. You promised us that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Father, you said that you will rebuke the devourer for our sake, Lord God. And Father, as your people come before you to renew their trust in you, you said you will watch over them, you will protect them, you will clear the path and every crooked path you will make straight. You said if your people shall repent, that you will hear their voice and you will come unto them, Lord God. Father, we thank you that you're visiting their homes, their lives, that you are rearranging everything to be aligned with your perfect will. And Father, we know that the will that you have for them, the plans, they're for good and not for evil to bring them to an expected end. Lord God, enlarge their territories. Show them that through you all things are made possible. Show them that you have decided that you are going to make them great. Not on their own volition, but because you are God all by yourself. Lord God, I thank you for your mercies and your grace as you pour your loving kindness on your people. Make them for your use and for your glory a peculiar people, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation to be an example unto nations. We thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen.